0: Our reading is from Psalm 27 verses one to three. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, Even then, I will be confident. Well, as Mark has said, I want to think with you for these next three Tuesdays about Psalm 27 and very specifically about how it speaks to our fears. Um, I guess fear comes in many different forms. Um, There's that nagging anxiety, kind of in the background, what's going to happen in the world, what's going to happen in our nation, and of course the obvious one is, Brexit, whichever side of that debate we're on, how's that all going to pan out? Perhaps that ghastly stab of panic when something terrible seems to have happened. If you've got children, you suddenly think you've got a child missing. That bewildering fear on hearing bad news, perhaps bad news about health. Maybe that sense of dread which has got no obvious cause. Uh, you, you just feel Almost a sense of doom for no apparent reason. Irrational fear. Um, Maybe a fear of public speaking. Maybe you've done it a hundred times, but suddenly you feel terrified at the thought of a speech or having to say a few words at any gathering. Or that deep existential fear. You wake at three o'clock in the morning and you lie there and you look at the alarm clock and it's dark and you wonder... Is there really any meaning in the universe at all? Is there a God? Is there any purpose? Now, of course, some fear is good. Um, It's good that we fear stepping into the road without looking. If we didn't, we'd probably get run over. Fear of heights, so we don't go too close to the edge of the cliff. But what I'm talking about is unhealthy fear, bad fear. And I take it that is an issue for believers. I'm told that the most Frequent command in the Bible is "Fear not," and that must mean that God thinks we fear in a way which is unhealthy and inappropriate. Now, as I prepared these talks, I, I wondered to myself: Is it? And I'll say in a moment, this is quite personal to me. And is it? You know, is this an issue for everybody? And I, I guess we have different anxiety levels, different fear levels. Some people have been much less fearful than others. But my hunch is that everybody is troubled by fear to some extent. And I'm supported in that by uh, Mo Gaudet, who's the former chief business officer of the innovation arm of Google, called Google X, who in his book, *Sold for Happy, wrote this. I've never met anyone who's not afraid of something. Some may hide it well, keeping a brave face, And some may not even know the motivation for much of their action is fear. But everyone has at least one fear that rules their life and limits their freedom. Now, I believe that Psalm 27 is a huge help to addressing the fear which limits our freedom. And I believe that because it's been my own personal experience. Uh, it's meant a huge amount to me in the, in the last year in particular, in particular, so much so that I've actually learned the whole psalm by heart. Uh, and I'm not very good at learning this by heart, but I, I have learned this psalm. As I said, I came to London as vicar of St. Simons eight years ago. I'd already been ordained for nearly 30 years. So I'd been leading a church for nearly 20 years. And uh, I didn't anticipate that I would feel so much fear and anxiety about taking on a new church and parish. So much fear about ministry in London. Much of it irrational. But this psalm has meant a huge amount to me. It's the single most helpful piece of writing i found um, in Scripture to help with that. So we're just going to look at the first three verses today. And uh, if you've got your little order there, just notice the references to fear in these verses. Verse 1, Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? Verse 3, my heart will not fear. Even then I will be confident. Confidence, of course, the opposite of fear. Now, David would not write, my heart will not fear, if he'd never felt fear. If he hadn't felt fear knocking at the door and barging its way into his life, he wouldn't be writing that. He writes, my heart will not fear, because he's climbing out of the pit of fear, not because he's never fallen into it. What was it that was causing him to fear? Well, we discover that towards the end of the psalm in verse 12. There's a clue, I think, where he says, false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. So maybe this is set in the early part of his career. If if you remember the story of his life, um, in the early part he was in Saul's court, And he was accused of trying to stage a coup and take over, and Saul tried to murder him. And it must have been a very worrying time for him. And he would have heard witnesses spouting these malicious accusations. And maybe that specific situation is something you can relate to. Maybe you've had that, people saying lies about you, that's slander. And it can be a very frightening thing. Now, how does David deal with that? Well, two very simple things, and these are, in a way, very basic lessons of the Christian life as is going kind of right back to the beginning. But speak to yourself about God and speak to your fears with contempt. And it's the very two first words of this psalm, the Lord. David doesn't begin with his fears. he begins with his God. He doesn't begin with his problems. He begins with his Lord. Before he addresses his threat, he proclaims his God to himself. He states what the Lord is to him. My light, my salvation, the stronghold of my life. So you've got a literal word there, sandwiched between two metaphors. The literal word is salvation. And um, From the word salvation we get our English word salvage. As in, the gold was salvaged from the wreck. And time and time again, God had found, uh, David had found that God had salvaged him from the wreck of Saul's court and his murderous anger. And the first metaphor is light. And light in the Bible generally stands for joy and happiness. And we can see why, probably. We, we, you know, we use words like, uh, we speak of a dark mood or dark days or dark feelings. Many people feel sad when the days are shorter and darker. Happier when it's light. So David found joy in his God. And the other metaphor is a stronghold. And of course this meant a huge amount to David because he, for many years, was a fugitive. And he was fleeing from Saul. Saul tried to murder him. And he, he hid in these mountain caves which were a stronghold to him. So it's an image of safety. I love that combination of that literal word and the metaphors. Because what fear creates so often is dark feelings, sad feelings, depression. And fear arises when we feel unsafe. And God, with his salvation, is the answer to both. Light to give us joy and a stronghold to make us safe. And, of course, as Christians, we know more about that salvation than David did. Because we know about the one who was called Jesus, which means the Lord saves. And we know he is my light. And he will bring me to that place where, in the words of Revelation, there will be no more night. The Lord God will give them light. And we know he is my stronghold. And will bring me to that place where there is no more death, or crying, or mourning, or pain to threaten me. So when we face something that threatens us and makes us feel afraid, or indeed any problem, let our first words be, The Lord is my light, my salvation, my stronghold. So David had these false witnesses spouting malicious accusations against him. But his first words were, the Lord. He is my light, my salvation, my stronghold. All too often my first words when I'm afraid of something is, oh no, isn't it awful? What shall I do? Such an important principle in the Christian life to start not with my problems but with my God. Perhaps some legal dispute threatens us. I start my prayers by saying, the Lord is my light and my salvation, my stronghold. Perhaps we worry about the social fabric of the nation. I start my prayers by saying, the Lord is my light and my salvation and my stronghold. So David speaks to himself about what God is or who God is to him, but also what God has done for him. Now, in this um, translation we've got here, in verse 2, it's translated as though it's something in the future. My enemies and foes will stumble and fall. But the older translations put it in the past, and I think that's the correct way to read it. So, for example, the New King James Version When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. And I think what David is doing here is I think he's remembering some past instance in which he'd experienced God's salvation. Part of this fleeing, perhaps, when he's fleeing from his enemies and, you know, he was on one side of the mountain, they were on the other and they didn't find him. And again, this is something we can imitate David in, to speak to ourselves about God's rescue in the past. And it it's been my experience that, and I think it is Christian experience, isn't it, that God gives us what I think of as kind of mini-salvations, mini-rescues. I mean, the big rescue, of course, is Christ's death and resurrection, I just remembered at Easter, but he gives us these little kind of mini-rescues, and sometimes it's really trivial things. And, I mean, I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, it sounds so trivial, but I needed the other day to find a little bolt for, to mend my bike basket. And I just prayed, Lord, show me where to go and get that bolt. And I went to the shop. In fact, I know it sounds so trivial, but it's just a kind of, you say, thank you, Lord, that you've provided that detail. It might be something a bit bigger than that. You've you, you found an ability to find contentment in some situation, ability to forgive. And these are, if you like, God's many salvations. And I think the psalm is saying to us, we'll remember those. Because so often when we get into a situation and we feel afraid and it's dark, We think this is never going to end. We think, no, I I remember actually last time. There there, have been other times when God has rescued me. But of course, the main thing we look back to as Christians is the mega rescue, the big salvation. The Apostle Peter says that wicked men put Jesus to death by nailing him to the cross. But those enemies couldn't hold him. The human enemies couldn't, of course, and the The devil couldn't hold him and death couldn't hold him. They stumble and fell as he rose from the dead and as he ascended to heaven in great victory. And we look back and we remember that great rescue. Let's remember what God has done in the past. Remember how he's rescued me. Think of an answer to prayer. But above all, remember the rescue in Jesus Christ. So David says, he speaks to himself about God and what God is to him and what God has done for him. But secondly, much more briefly, he teaches us to speak to our fears with contempt. So verse 3, David's looking to the future and uh, he's looking to some pretty big problems um, which could happen. An army might besiege me. War might break out against me. It doesn't get much bigger than that. And he speaks to his fears using two statements. My heart will not fear. Even then, I will be confident. Now, he's not saying, oh, I'm never going to feel fear again. He's not saying that emotion will somehow be magicked away. But in the light of God, being his light and his salvation and his stronghold, he's challenging his fears. I love the way one ancient commentator puts it. From the high tower of his confidence, he looks down on his dangers with contempt. From the high tower of his confidence, he looks down on his dangers with contempt. And again, we've got much greater reason to do that than David. Because we can say with Paul the Apostle, if God is for us, who can be against us? What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. And from the high tower of that confidence, standing, as it were, on the cross and the resurrection and the ascension of our Lord, we may challenge and should challenge those fears with confidence. Because in the end, what can they do to us? They cannot separate us from the love of God. So what does David's, David teach us about dealing with unhealthy fear? He says, speak to yourself about God and speak to your fears with contempt. Angelina Jolie, the uh, celebrity, famously had an operation to remove her ovaries because of fear of future cancer. And a young woman had the same operation and she was interviewed and she was asked why she'd done it. And she said... I saw it as an operation to remove fear. And you can sympathize with that, you? An operation to remove fear. But the trouble is, it can't do that. It may remove one fear, but you can bet there are dozens more just lining up at the door to, to to take its place. And the better answer, the Christian answer, is to do as David did, to speak to yourself about God and to speak to your fears with contempt. Let's pray together. O Lord, our God, pray for each person here that we might know that you are my light, my salvation, my stronghold, and that we might speak to ourselves of what you are to us and might challenge our fears. And we know that this will always be a struggle. This will always be something we need to wrestle with. But may we make progress and may we believe in what we're taught through your scriptures and give us increased confidence and peace in you through our Lord Jesus Christ who has risen from the dead.